Houndsman, XP. Your host, Ed Barnes and Tanner Hurt. Now a word from our sponsors at your favorite beverage company. Yes, beverages are always refreshing and good for you too. So remember to stop and enjoy a nice cold beverage from your favorite beverage company. And now, let's catch up to the boys and hear their latest adventure on the dog. Alright guys, welcome back to the Dogman Podcast. Myself, Tanner Herr. Ed Barnes. Stoney Bland. Corey Rohde. We're trying something new. We are driving down a dirt road while we're hog hunting. Ed's bright lights don't work on his pickup. Um, we're trying something, trying to be different than everybody else. We're with Stoney. We went rabbit hunting with him. How many weeks ago has that been now? probably been about four or five we had to reschedule a few times yeah we could never get lined out but we had an awesome trip with him uh or he had an awesome trip when we was with him i think i got to shoot two rabbits yeah i think between the three of y'all you had three rabbits yeah you killed two of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah cody he had a tough time he's in the truck behind us but um it was fun i mean something new to me like we talked about in the last podcast and I mean, what did you think, Ed? I mean, what was your thoughts on the whole go-round? Oh, I mean, it was pretty cool. Like, I hadn't run – I used to run beagles, and I hadn't run them in, got at least 10 years. So, it was cool to do it again. And tonight, we're hog hunting. Stoney also has hog dogs, so it's kind of a kind of a natural thing to, to do a rabbit dog and hog dog thing. That's what we're running tonight is hog dogs. We've, we've already made one cast. The dogs hunted really good in what should have been a really good spot but we came up dry we're moving to another spot and we'll see what happens next so stoney actually hunts today so he's pretty wore out and he ain't saying a whole lot yet but how'd that go today oh uh, we ended up killing 11 i i carried about half the team today not the whole team like last time but yeah we i still left my house at four this morning tried to beat the deer hunters there didn't work out so we had to move to another spot and had a couple friends with me and like i said we killed 11 and then i rolled on and met you met up with y'all i mean that's one of the cool things about running beagles on rabbits is that even though it's uh deer gun season you can still run dogs because they're not getting so far away from you uh so deer season doesn't totally shut you out stoney well, it, you got to be particular on where you go still, like with anything, but I got, I've got private land that I can hunt on, and some of it they deer hunt, so i got to move on. But like right now, it's, it's doe rifle, but that's on private only, so you can still hunt public land. So, I mean, you run, like, we said, like I said earlier, like you run hog dogs and beagles on rabbits. Uh, where should you start first? Um, I started with the the beagles. Originally, I started in high school with coon dogs and squirrel dogs, and I did that for several years. And I had a set of beagles, but honestly, I just I'd let them out when I'd load up my coon hounds, and I'd put them up when I'd come back. And I wasn't really big into rabbit hunting, but I joined the Air Force, and coon hunting didn't really work with my my schedule then. So that's when I really got into beagles when I was in Arkansas. What a for those of you who don't know, I think Stoney had like rabbit fever as a young child. <laughs> when we was hunting, no matter which race we was on, 
he could think like the rabbit and just kind of walk over there 50 yards and they'd circle and come right to him but <laughs> i definitely tried to give you all the opportunity to kill <laughs> they'd circle two or three times and i was like well i guess i'm gonna go over and kill yeah. this one so we can kill get on another yeah we got these jack wagons get out of the way but, <laughs> but no um on your hog dogs like what are what are they so to speak what what breed are they well so i've tried having a set of hog dogs for the past four or five years and something always comes up where i get out and get back in so i started off with just a real rough it was basically a, a running catch dog and and uh then i went to trying to go to more hounds here recently and they were doing good there for a little while and then now they're now they tree coons so i don't even have hog dogs anymore i've been coon hunting the past about five weeks they've made that transition for me so yeah well they're just meat dogs yeah yeah they i guess i ran the run out of them now they're just treeing all the time yeah the walker that i've got i got her because she wouldn't tree all her litter mates are excellent coon dogs and and she was doing real good on hogs and now she trees every trip so i guess that's <laughs> My son, he doesn't care about the hog dogs, and he wanted to coon hunt, so he made that an easy transition for me for now. How old's your son? He's 11. My oldest is. That's about perfect, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's been all about it. Anytime with the the beagles or the hog dogs, it was, oh, wishy-washy, didn't ever want to really go, but he's been all about the coon hunting, so we'll do that for a little while and see, see how things go. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit. <laughs> uh when we went rabbit hunting and that's kind of one of the i mean that's the thing that kind of draws me into hog dogs is it so like in the rabbit hunting world or the coon hunting world if you want to get into it there are designated lines that you can go to and you can buy you know dogs from a good line and you're going to be pretty successful yeah and that's kind of the thing in the hog dogs that that isn't really the case in hog dogs it's it's a lot more uh uncertain oh for sure i had a lot more success when i was just running rough dogs and like i said i i got to where it's kind of like bass fishing for me i, I didn't want to just kill every pig I, i'd like to just bay them and catch and release if i could and depending on where i was at and but running rough dogs kind of get there and they're all tore up kind of got to kill them most of the time and so yeah. i wanted to get away from that and and I, I wasn't having good success with just straight bay dogs, so I'm just going to coon hunting now for a little while. <laughs> if I get back into it, I'll probably go straight ca running catch dogs again. But really? Yeah. So, like, you're running catch dogs, what were they? Um, I had some Airedales that I had a lot of success with, and uh, I just got lucky with those. They were from some pet breeder in Arkansas, but it was a good deal, and we made the trip. And, I mean, they, they were I was going every weekend catching pigs every weekend, and... Uh, they were a little open on track, but uh, I mean they were straight running catch, and they're real fast track dogs. And and uh, Justin Bible actually has one of them now, and uh, by uh, Copan. But the and then I had, like I said, I had that big. He was a pit bull mastiff mix that I got from uh, H. Lee Robinson in Mississippi, the American Sentinel Canine. I caught a lot of pigs. He's who got me into catching pigs was that dog, and it was just kind of by accident. I was, I'd take him running my beagles because where I would hunt a lot, there was a lot of coyotes and stuff. Would miss my beagles during the summertime, mm -hmm. so I just take him along just for that. And one day he caught this big old spotted boar, and then I was hooked after that. And uh, and then like I said, then 
then I had those Airedales for a little while and I ended up selling them because my, my youngest, we were we were thinking he was going to have some health issues and so I, I didn't know if I was going to get to hunt much and so I, I sold those and then it ended up working out fine but they were fun fun set of dogs, those Airedales are pretty neat. Yeah, it had some crosses um, that we hunted with and my, my question for you is, are they late bloomers? Are they... Mine weren't. They I, weren't. I mean, like I said, it, the, when I picked them up, they were five months, six months old, had never been out of a pen. They couldn't, they looked awkward just running. Mm-hmm. And But I lived out in the country in 40 acres and had permission on the four or 5,000 acres around me. And I just let them run loose for about five or six months, get them legged up and until they started getting in trouble chasing stuff. And then I started hunting them and, and they went right to it. I mean, they were finding pigs probably the second or third trip. Really? And, uh, and then it was all all downhill from there. It was easy for them. I've heard some of them are late bloomers, but it didn't didn't work out that way for them. It wasn't for you. Yeah. Um, us on your beagles, what where do they originate from? Like, teach me something about beagles because I know nothing. So, as far as the beagles that I personally own, I, I, my oldest one I got her from South Carolina from a guy named Eric Stout, and. Uh, and then I've got a couple others from, I've raised all of them from puppies, but uh, I've got one from a guy named Brian Holland in South Oklahoma. And uh, the other three I've, I've raised from, from puppies that, from out of my dogs. But they're, they're different bloodlines, just like everything else. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my stuff goes back to Weir Creek and Oak Hill. So like on your beagles, you'll have lemon colored beagles, you'll have. I mean, different, all different variations of beagles. What can you explain that for me? So, some like with the lemons, for instance, like some like patch is almost all lemon. There's some tricolors in it, but and you'll have like niche type breeders where they're they breed for a specific color. Like the oak hills are known for being blue tick, and mm-hmm. uh, that's I run a lot of blue ticks. That's what I ideally in the next ten years my whole kennel is blue tick, but. I'm not completely colorblind, so I'm still trying to have good dogs on top of it, but I uh, I prefer the blue color. But uh, you got every shape and color they come from. I try to have all my dogs under 13 inches. I, I don't like them any bigger than that. Just they get through the cover better for me. I don't run a lot of open terrain. I mean, you guys hunted with me and seen, mm-hmm. seen what we're hunting. And uh, them big dogs just stay hung up a lot and, and have a lot more trouble getting through the thick stuff and but you got them red blue black every every color you can come up with well yeah when i ran when i ran beagles and it's probably been it's been 20 plus years ago but uh i ran straight patch lemon and white beagles yep they were bigger than yours i I would say they were probably 15 inch beagles yeah uh at that time i was running more open like we when we went hunting with you stoney we we were running like light cover woods basically yeah uh when i used to run it was mostly pasture that had uh briar patches yeah so the dogs would push them out of a briar patch into a pretty much an open hay meadow and run them yeah so i kind of like the bigger beagles for that but i could see where hunting the train like we hunted with you where a, a 13 inch would come come in pretty handy yeah for sure and i mean i've i've had a I, I, that's usually when I coal anything over 
13 and a half inches and like I, I trial an AKC some too and it just it becomes a hassle if you if you got to run 13 inch and 15 inch dogs and you can't be in both groups because usually like females will run one day and males run the other so they run in a 13 inch class and a 15 inch class so if you have anything over 13 inches and some under then you're you're split up and I just prefer all mine smaller so they have size classes yeah. I did they have size size classes yeah with was. AKC they'll, they'll measure them you can usually the pre-measure before before you run and uh, they'll they'll put them accordingly hmm I did not know that so you was hunting you what was using 28 gauge yeah yep and, and what what's your reasoning behind that I mean just the less damage less well the the reasoning behind it really was I wanted to get something that my kids would be able to shoot mm-hmm. and and 410 I just I never really cared it seems like they're a lot harder to find that ammunition most of the time and and uh, and I wanted an over and under just for picture purposes I like being able to break it over for on my tailgate and yeah. at the end of the day and and uh, that 28 gauge I'm, I'm really fond of it it's it's got a lot of knockdown power for what it is it's got a real consistent pattern and and it doesn't like I said doesn't damage the rabbits that much when I first started I was hunting with a 12 gauge and I I hamburgered a lot of rabbits but the 20 20 gauge is, is a good round for it but yeah just, that's, that's what I took was a 20 gauge and it's I mean just what I had you yeah, know but yeah I was wondering what your reasoning was behind 28 yep that was it is I did it's a lot harder to find 410 and it's not a very consistent round just it's a long skinny round you know and it doesn't have a good pattern most of the time and and that 28 gauge is a lot more consistent and 410 has gotten so expensive yeah for what it is it doesn't make sense to me and i just kind of didn't see any point in having to spend that much for those little shells i always liked 410 and i've hunted plenty of rabbit with 12 but it always seemed like when i was hunting with a 12 i would try to uh run my shot in front of the rabbit yeah and uh it just got to be too much. Yeah. But that was before 410 prices just got sky high. If I, I think if I was running rabbits today, I, I would switch I would switch rounds. But yeah. I like the 410 on a rabbit, but I've never shot 28, so I'm not sure. Yeah, and a reminder that we're driving down the dirt road, so all this rattling is, is from that. We're about to pull out on the highway, but... Um, so like what what do you think about the way we did our first turnout i mean from when you hog hunted to us kicking them out and just kind of putting behind them i mean like what was how do you normally hunt yeah hog dogs well it it all just depend on where i was going i hunted horseback a lot or i just eased through the woods depend like i hunted a lot of public land so i'd either be horseback or on foot depending on where i was going but some of the private land I hunt, I, I hunt similar, but my dogs were, you know, three to four hundred uh, yard range most of the time. They they didn't get out and just bust through the country or anything. But I mean, y'all's dogs hunted similar, just a little bit further than about how I would do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a like the place we just the place we turned out before we started the podcast. It's probably been man, it's probably been close to a year since we hunted that place, hasn't it, Tanner? Yeah, it's been close to that. But I <laughs> called the guy on the way there and. I think that he said somebody had come in like a few weeks before us. It, it, it's usually a pretty productive spot for us. Uh, like we said, like Tanner was in the truck with us when we first in, turned loose. It was me and and uh, Stoney and 
Corey, and I was like, if, the, if those dogs go across the creek, we ought to have pretty good luck, and they did, uh, but we didn't have good luck, but the dogs hunted good, and like Tanner's got a young pup out there that stayed with the two older dogs good, and uh, like I said, they didn't get anything, but just that pup going with the dogs, is that makes it a success. It's a win, um, and that's what I was going to say, like when we've when I first started hunting, I want them to cast, like cast, cast, cast. I want them to just go yep. till they had to. But anymore, I'm liking, you know, kick them loose. Yeah, they're going to go off a couple hundred yards. But I try to point them in the right direction, get them started. And then, like we've seen, they got in a little bit of sign, we thought. We just kind of stopped and let them do their thing. Yeah. That's what That's what I try to, I'm trying to get towards is that. Yeah, I mean, when, when me and Tanner first started hunting together, how many years has that been? six years something like that no it's like 12 now 12 <laughs> <laughs> i mean back then when we turned dogs loose we wanted them to go it, we wanted them to go as long as they had to go to find a hog if it meant three four five miles that's what we wanted so that's always been i got terrible anxiety turning my dogs loose and i, I mean i'm sure you, you know the mess you can get in when they go that far and and properties just seem to get smaller and smaller and places to go and so i that's I, just that comfort zone for me has always been hunting out to three, four hundred yards, you know, and that way I can reel them in if I need to. Which yeah, it's a different. It's definitely a different mindset. Like long, long range dogs is definitely a different mindset. Yeah. And when I first first started hunting long range dogs, it was super anxiety ridden. Yeah. Know, dogs that were three miles from you, you kind of get accustomed to it. You know, as you know your dogs, you know that. You know they're not going to screw up. You you hope they don't get run over. That was always my deal because I mean, like I said, I started coon hunting when I was younger, and first good coon dog I ever had got ran over, and and uh, I've had several dogs since then ran over, and just so much can happen in 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 a little minute bit of time, and it's kind of it's it's kind of a turn loose thing. Like you just kind of have to kind of push that anxiety out, and just kind of you got to get into the feel, but like. Corey's sitting here on us. He's got a headset. He hasn't said much. He hasn't said anything. He no. probably won't say a whole lot. But, but yeah, I Corey. recently had two young dogs killed by the turnpike, and I mean, really, is probably some of the probably been the best dogs I've had yet. I I've, I just recently got back into hog hunting, maybe two years now. And Tanner, he was nice enough to give me a pup give me two pups off of his blood his bloodline and uh i mean they're they're sure enough they, they're they're young which one one's gone now and i got this other pup from trent monk and she was she was becoming a go-getter too right there with them males but them males they're sure they're the most natural hunting dogs i've had as far as turning them loose and them going they they just just natural and yeah i turned them loose uh hunting hunting kind of next to turnpike i kind of i knew better but i mean you i mean you weren't next to it you were probably uh two miles from it no no i was, I was closer than that i was yeah I, it's stupid but i just i knew that i mean i just wanting to get my dogs on pigs and but like i was telling you today in our area, there's nowhere you can turn loose and not be by a road. 
Yeah. I mean, there. Yeah, we have public land, and you hunt public land, right? With your beagles, but at the same time, there's there's roads everywhere. With a with a long range dog, the worst thing you can do is panic, in my opinion, because you just got to think ahead of them. You know what I mean? Like, how many times have we almost got on the turnpike in the same area, Ed, and I've had to drive up the turnpike banks? Oh, I remember in the middle of the night. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one night we turned loose at a. Whose house is that? He sold the place. Burford's? No, not Burford's. Uh, old Man. Oh, Granville's? Granville's. And it's probably a mile and a half to the turnpike. Yeah, that's that's even close. But I them mean. dogs would get to the turnpike. But there's a hog fence at the turnpike. And we yeah. would, me and Tanner would get back on the highway. Is it a 30-minute drive? We'd yeah. Back yeah, on yeah. The, we'd get back on at 82, get on the turnpike. About the time we get to them. The hog had probably hit that hog fence and turned back and start heading south or east. And we'd, you know, wheel back around. But we've done it many nights. And the thing is, you you know, it really sucks when you lose, oh, yeah. some, use some, lose some young dogs that are turning on. Yeah, I just, I lost a, a good cross, crossed up dog that I got from Mike Chambers this, this uh, spring. Same type of deal as a knuckleheaded move I I had pulled up to where I had some hogs in a pen and we had had two little ones slip out like right off the bat when we put them in there and they were running loose in the field right when I pulled up and I didn't even think twice and I let two dogs go and they barreled after them them little piglets and ended up getting to the highway before I knew it and one of them got run over and and I'd only had him probably two or three months and he had already first trip had baited a sounder by, by himself ahead of the other dogs, and and uh, he was really sh- showing a lot of promise, and just made a mistake. Well, I mean yeah. that's what that's yeah. kind of what we deal with, and, and you can't let it discourage you. Yeah, because we're not in New Mexico in 1901. Yeah, uh, and it's part of it, and like I say, you can't let it discourage you. You got to keep get some new dogs and keep pushing on because it, it, it happens nowadays yep that's when I was gone working when Digger got run over and Tanner had Tanner had this pup Digger who was one of the most natural hog dogs I've ever seen in my life like just I mean from day one yeah as a young pup you turn him loose and that mm-hmm. sucker would go and bay you hogs and he was a young dog and like Tanner was saying, Tanner was in the Virgin Virgin Islands working, and he got off his chain one day, and of course he ran straight to the highway and got run over. But right in front of my wife, my wife was trying to call him back. Dang! And of course he he wasn't coming back. He was going to hunt something, you know. And, yeah. And uh, it happened right in front of her. She called me, and it was it was bad. And he <laughs> was all and, and he would have that that was the type of dog that could be the foundation. Yeah. For a whole line of future dogs because he was such a natural yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's how i felt about the pup that i got off of him which yeah. i still got one you know and i just i just hope that uh he he will still do it by himself because like you know kind of like like i felt like they kind of paired up together you know because whenever i i would turn whenever i turned them loose them two i mean they, they'd roll out you know yeah. not knowing really nothing but they they went you know i mean that's the most important thing i mean it, 
for the style of dogs that we're talking about yeah. long range dogs and th this this I, I you know i didn't have any older dogs on the ground just all young dogs and they i mean they still they they'd roll out i mean that night they rolled out uh you know maybe uh 1300 yards or so before you know i started catching up to them yeah half and mile. i was just you know i'm just like super stoked you know like yeah and that like i say that's what that's kind of one of the dilemmas that we're in in the 2020s hunting we're not hunting in 1800 right we have cars going 75 miles an hour down the road we got city people that will shoot dogs on site and everybody's out there with a thermal anymore and mm -hmm. and they'll the amount of people that think it's okay just to shoot a dog because it's running across a property i'll never understand it's crazy yeah it's totally crazy yeah it's uncalled for i mean we deal with that this has been like i'm the vice president of the oklahoma dog Hunters association and this is probably the quietest deer season that we've had as far as dogs getting shot we've had a couple that got shot Well, that's, but, that's good news because... I mean, it's good news. I mean, we still had a few shot, but usually it's 6 to 10 shot, and this year was 2 shot that I heard of. Uh, but my point is that to be, a, to be a dog man in this day and age takes a little bit different mindset than those old guys because we have so much more to deal with. Yeah, to worry about. Yeah, I mean... And you, and you can't let it you can't let a dog getting run over or a dog getting shot turn you off like i know i've known so many people especially in the hog hunting world people who come from the beagle world or the coon dog world which is a lot safer dog sport and they get into hog dogs and something bad happens and a lot of those guys just say i'm done you know like i can't deal with this but the people that do stick with it, like we have to have a, I mean, we have a stronger mindset and you kind of have to have that in today's world. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel, uh, I feel terrible that they went out, you know, by a vehicle, you know, like for the most part, I'm all right with, you know, my dog getting cut down by a pig or, you know, yeah, but, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be taken out by a vehicle, I just, I, you know, it, it just, it, it sucks. It cuts a little, it cuts a lot more deeper than a, just a, you hog know, killing yeah, them. than just a hog killing them, yeah, you know. Yeah, when a hog kills a dog. That's just part of it. It's not fun. It's no. not fun when a hog kills your dog, but it's kind of like, that's. You, you what know I, what they're going after, Yeah, you know? that's what I signed up for. Yeah, exactly. But when they get run over. Or they get shot. Yeah. Or they get stolen. Especially, yeah, if they, yeah, getting ran over, that's more of an accident. But, yeah, someone, yeah, yeah, actually pulling a trigger, pulling that trigger on a dog. I ain't never had that happen. Hopefully, it never happens. I've had it happen one time. But, I mean, Tanner, I, Tanner and I have seen it countless times. Like, our do we, we see on the Garmin, our dogs getting close to the road. We get close to them. Yeah. We pull a vehicle on the road that they're close to. We put on our flashers. We're standing in the road. Yeah, waving trying, to our, trying to protect your dog. Waving our arms, and these guys come past us doing 70 miles an hour. And it's like, what are you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, you're. 
I mean, hunt, hunt dog, yeah, they, they, I mean, they, they may not mean a whole lot to that guy on the other end of that, you know, on the steering wheel or, or that gun, you know, but, you know, to the owner, yeah, I mean, it, no, you, I mean know, you put a lot of time, I mean, uh, yeah, you put like, a lot of time in them and, like the pups you had that, you know, you've been pushing them, doing, oh, yeah, doing I've been the, mock hunting them and doing the work that you need to do to make them good dogs and they get run over. I mean, it's disheartening, but you have to keep going. The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is powered by Cajun Lights. All of your lighting needs for hunting can be taken care of at Cajun Lights. They have three models of cap lights. I'm going to run through them real quick. You've got the Rogaroo, which is their high-end light. If you're a competition hunter and you got to find that coon up in a tree and it's all riding on finding that coon, you'll want the Rogaroo on your head. Next is the Bayou. That's a pretty standard light, but it's got packed with features. It's got multiple colors. It's got walking lights. It's got the red, the green, the amber. It's all built in right into that light. And then you have one of my personal favorites, the Micro Gator. The Micro Gator is an ultra lightweight cap light. It's got all the features of a white light, red, green, and amber. I've used this light for everything from finding bear tracks early in the morning to coon hunting at night to working on plumbing in the house changing tires on the side of the road my truck doesn't leave the driveway without a cajun light in it and that light is the micro gator every cajun light is durable made from the highest quality components and it is backed by cajun's top rated customer service check out cajun lights you can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com go to our sponsors page hit that link it'll take you right to cajun lights check them out they got a lot of stuff to offer over at Cajun Lights. Stoney, when you go to start your beagles, what's what's the what's your first step, so to speak? I mean, is it just that you kick them, kind of kick them into your others, or? Well, usually when they're about three to four months old, I usually put them on a domestic rabbit, because I'll, I'll usually keep the whole litter until they're about three months old, mm-hmm. so I can evaluate them. Because usually I'm only I'm only breeding maybe twice a year, and it's for myself. So I'm trying to get the cream of the crop. And about three months old, I'll let them chase a domestic rabbit. And usually I've already made my pick before then, but that just helps solidify it. And then I always try to keep a few friends that are wanting pups, and that's where I'd rather my dogs go to is friends close by than mm-hmm. than selling one. And and uh, and then after that, about five months old, six months old, when you can tell when they're ready. If if they still act real puppyish, I won't take them because it creates bad habits, and they'll get to barking, at the, trailing the dogs and stuff, and and chasing them instead of wanting to hunt. But once they're ready, I'll start taking them. One or my older dogs is usually bracing them, mm-hmm. and uh, once they start contributing and and getting checks and stuff, and 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 putting in more on the race then i'll start feeding in a couple extra dogs in there but spring and summer is training season for me most of the time and i, I run my dogs year round so i would usually brace brace dogs or solo dogs all spring and summer just a couple hours each and rotate them all out throughout the night and i run a lot of private land where i can just go park in the truck and sit there and swap dogs out you know and mm-hmm. and uh that's usually how i do it on my puppies so like in the summertime you do, you say you run at night yeah and that's i mean is it just for heat mainly yeah. just because it's it's so hot so i'll try to get an early racing in the morning sometimes but you know during time usually in the summer i'm spending with my family so nighttime i'll go out there and 
just park the truck, take a nap, and let them run until until I'm ready to swap them out. Usually set me a timer for like two hours and wake up and swap dogs. I got a, this question for you. Sometimes you can tell on pigs that they run different during the day and night. I think are rabbits the same or are they different? Um, typically they'll they have their same territory and their same trails. Where you find them a lot is different because they're feeding at night most of the time. They're nocturnal, and so you'll find them in their feeding areas out in the open more. Um, and that's one one reason like I like running puppies at night too because there's a lot more activity. There's a lot more tracks mm-hmm. than them having to go bust the brush and to find a rabbit. They can find a hot track pretty easy. Do you ever run into the issue where do you ever ha- run into the issue of taking those dogs that started at night and run them during the day? No, no. The transition is uh, if you start them in the night, it's it's an easy transition. But I've I've seen some people. I mean, my dogs have all been ran at night, but I've seen some dogs that have never been taken out at night and they don't know what to do. They just kind of stand around. Because like in hog dogs, we run into dogs that perform well at during the day that don't perform well at night. Right. And, and Tanner and I hunt probably at least 90% of the time at night. Yeah. And sometimes when we go to run them younger dogs during the day, it goes both ways. Sometimes we find dogs that run better in the day, and sometimes our dogs that run good at night don't run good in the day. You don't run into that with rabbit dogs? Um, Not too much. Like I said, I, I mean, I'll start my puppies most of the time, and it's, it's at nighttime. And so then once it starts cooling off and getting closer to, to – rabbit season then i'll be running in the day a lot and it doesn't mean nothing to them usually they i mean because my seasoned dogs they know better and usually by then i'm, I'm running them in a pack so once it comes time to run in the daytime they just follow the rest of the pack i mean tanner kind of alluded to it earlier in the podcast but it was pretty amazing when we was rabbit hunting with you that you just seemed to know the exact spot to stand in like i was behind you and I kept thinking, we need to push up there and get next to Cody and Tanner because they were kind of pushing the front. And you would just hang back, and those rabbits would come by you every time. And it, I, I just wonder, like, I, I mean, I, obviously that's just from, like, experience and running them, run, running those rabbits so long, but you just seem to know the exact spot to stand in each time. Well, it was tr- by trial and error because I promise it wasn't always that way. I used to always be in the wrong spot. But it and it's weird too because I mean where we hunted the last four years I've hunted that same spot so those rabbits aren't educated because I didn't kill them the year before it's all new rabbits but they'll run the same routes like that that one that you're like oh we'll never get one on camera and then I shot it right then like it was only ten feet from me and it was so thick you probably couldn't see it but I mean that's a, they run that same route to cross that little road right there in that corner every time. It's funny because I was telling Tanner, like, okay, so so I I started running dogs on rabbits. That's how I started. And I ran totally opposite of what you ran. So, like, when when my dogs would strike, I was up, I was pushing the dogs up close to them. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Tanner that you had a really patient what I would consider a patient version of hog hunting or rabbit hunting, you would stand back. Like I say, you knew where the rabbits were going to come back. And it's funny because Tanner and I hog hunt the way that you rabbit hunt. Oh, yeah. We're, we're very patient and we stay back. 
but in rabbit hunting, I took the totally different approach. Like we, like when we went hog hunting with uh, Cody Fox, she hog hunts like you rabbit hunt, like the opposite of what you rabbit the, hunt. The, the opposite of what you rabbit hunt. It's funny you say that because that's how I hog hunted was opposite of how I rabbit hunt. I was always up, you know, pushing my dogs forward. And as they're if they're pushing the hog further from me, I'm trying to keep that distance close. So, so I'm I'm there, you know, when I need to be. And and uh, I think I, I think what it comes down to is a confidence in your dogs. Like yeah. you had a confidence in your rabbit dogs that Tanner and I would have in our hog dogs, but I never had in my rabbit dogs. Like I was always. But I think it comes in again your style. I mean, yeah. you said you was running rough dogs. Yeah. You kind of got to be there. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Cody. Cody has her hound, you know, that she's run now, but she's used to run her running catch dogs, and it was a stay close kind of style. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, you have to. And that, that's why I was trying to transition into the the hound, just running bay, straight bay dogs, because I got tired of that. You know, they catch six, seven hundred yards away, and then they're so beat up by the time you get up there. Usually, if you catch a good boar, that you're down for three or four weeks before you can hunt again, at least. And so that's why I was trying to make that transition, but kind of like it doesn't really make sense. Huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really kind of a, it's kind of an odd, it's kind of an odd thing if you really think about it. You know, I mean, to me, from doing so many different types of dog hunting, I've I've had really good squirrel dogs, really good coon dogs. I still got the beagles with rabbit hunting. The hog hunting is is the hardest thing to me that I've ever done. The most humbling thing I've ever done just to be consistent with rough dogs i mean i was pretty consistent i caught a lot of pigs but like i said i was i never had consistent luck once i started transitioning to trying to just run a straight bay dog every pig is different and and just when you think you get them figured out then something totally out of the ball out ballpark it happens and it's like constantly scratching your head regain planning what should i have done different and it's like it's, it's a constant game that it's just you never you never get it figured out. At least I didn't feel like I ever did. Yeah, I mean, I, I think running loose hog dogs is is the hardest of the, all the dog sports. For sure. You got to get – I never could get that perfect mix of a rough, just rough enough to get them to stop. Yeah. And But not so rough that they're getting hung by the time you get there, before you can get there and – and uh or busting the bays because they want to get just a little too rough and then you constantly got busted bays and yeah i think it's a total i think it's a total tight line like working that balance yeah like you say between like you want a dog that's rough enough to stop them but not a a dog that's so rough that it breaks bays or is cut down by the time you get there and it's all over yeah i think running loose hog dogs is to me the pinnacle of dog hunting for sure i'm biased yeah but that's my genuine thought you got you got to have plenty of ground to run loose bay dogs too because i mean yeah that's that's the thing you have to do your homework i mean like i mean that's a big part of it like we're the place we're pulling up to now me and tanner been hunting for years and years there's no one spot that's super big, but we've been lucky enough through Tanner's silver tongue to get permission on almost everybody around, so it adds up to a really large spot. Yeah. And 
that's a big part of running loose dogs is having is having that ground for sure and you gotta you got usually it works out where if you get permission on one landowner and word travels that you know you're respectful and and you, you're taking hogs out that they're wanting out you usually can grab neighbors up pretty easy that's how i got so much land over there in boynton is i've got almost three mile sections worth of private property between yeah. all the neighbors and the ranches in just a short amount of time yeah a rabbit a rat was that a rabbit just yeah on the road yeah. yeah he don't know how much danger he was in yeah, yeah. Stoney left his beagles back at the store. Yeah, they're they're whooped. They they put in about 18 miles today, and <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was it was a good 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 running day. This mm-hmm. this place to the left of Stoney, we when we started hunting this, it was just loaded with pigs, and they'd never been hunted. I mean, yeah. like you'd bay them, catch them, they'd run 50 yards, bay them again. Like it was just, and then over here on the other side was the first place we ever actually turned out on. And uh, as soon as the dog's tail got out of sight, they started baying. And me and Ed was at the truck, and they was down there baying. I think we had three or four dogs down there baying. And uh, we st- crabbing our catch dogs, you know, the routine. And some pigs started funneling up out of this draw t- up into the pasture. And I was like, what the heck? And there's probably 30 in a group, just nose to tail coming up out of this draw. Dang. And uh, them dogs are open right now. That's your dog, Zed. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> See what we deal with. No. <laughs> and then the Blame other, it on the whiskey. The, <laughs> and the other side of the draw, about the same amount comes out of it. So there's 60 head of pigs just come out of this one draw. Wow. I, I mean, that's how. That's how no pressure it was when we started hunting this. And them dogs in the box are barking. Well, uh, I, sw- I swear they were. The only dog I heard was one on the other side of the fence. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I could be wrong. Drinker, makers, mark, and hunch. Go ahead, Tanner. <laughs> but, no, I mean, that's just how it was over here. But, I mean, obviously we've educated them over a period of time. But there's still quite a few pigs in here. It's just. This was the place. Okay, so Tanner and I got permission to hunt here. And the landowner said, you know, he gave, it? Yeah. he gave us permission to hunt. And he said, I only got one stipulation, and that's it. You guys kill everything you take out. Yeah. Let's not get into this. <laughs> we can get into it. A little. So this was like probably about noon. He gives us permission. Tanner and I come back in the evening, and we send some dogs, and they bayed, and we go into them, and it was thick. I mean, that was some of the thickest stuff I've ever been in. I mean, it probably took us an hour to go, what, 300 yards? Yeah, it was close. And we got this hog caught. And we said, well, you know, it's just been a matter of hours that this guy told us everything's going to come out dead. Tanner and I don't have a knife. We don't have a gun. <laughs> we dragged this pig. We, we ended up getting him killed. We what? got him killed. We got him killed. <laughs> It was ugly. We'll just say that. There was a caveman style. There was a thunderstorm coming in. It was raining on us. Like we was committed, and we but we kept our word. We kept our, <laughs> we kept our word. It was ugly, and, uh, and we went back to the landowner the next the next day, I think. And uh, we told him the story. And before we got permission, we were trying to get permission to take some hogs out alive to sell to, you know, make some dog food or whatever. 
and he wouldn't have it. After we told him this story about what we went through to get this all killed, he said, well, <laughs> dang, guys, like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Pull out the mule tape and do what you got to do, yeah. I guess. He's like, if you guys need to take some hogs out to pay for your dog feed, that's cool. But we kept our word. And yeah. he, he's the one that kind of got us on the rest of it. He was the I mean? he was the anchor in this area. Yep. Then he got us all the surrounding neighbors, because he knew that we were good for our word. Yep. That's how it's worked for me around there, like I said, over there in Boynton, because y- you you get good in with one neighbor, and usually they know all the other neighbors as long as they ain't the neighbor that everybody hates, and you can usually get in with everybody else. Yeah. Y'all stay right here. I'm gonna get out and turn some dogs loose. Yeah, we're gonna cast some dogs. I'll be right back. Just kick some loose and drive up there and back. What's that? I said, I'll keep talking if you want. I'll just kick some loose and we'll drive up there and back. We can kick uh, that dog from Pat loose. Yeah. Stinky. He, uh, uh, I, I got a question. That other dog's in the kennel. 18 miles, is that like average for your rabbit dogs a day or? Yeah, when, when that I. That is crazy. When when we hunt all day, I'll usually hunt daylight till dark and, and uh, depending on the terrain if and the rabbits, if there's, a, if there's not a lot of rabbits, then, you know, sometimes we might have to put more miles in than that. If there is a lot of rabbits and you ain't got to go very far for them, it might only be maybe 14 miles. But average, if I hunt all day, it's around 18 to 22 miles. And I got on a bunch of swamp rabbits today, and so they, they would run sometimes 800 yards straight away and then circle and then come back, and they definitely cover some ground. Yeah, yeah. But it's different from hog dogs. So, like, you're turning dogs loose, and, I mean, they're not just casting and going miles like we're used to. Yeah. They're, they're Those 18 to 20 miles, probably at least three-quarters of it is them constantly running, you know, running race. that and uh how far behind are your your beagles like behind the rabbit like just because like i don't know i would i would just kind of be hesitant on uh you know shooting out a rabbit knowing my dogs are chasing it but i mean i ain't never been rabbit hunting or anything so you know, I just, you know rabbit hunting with beagles no so i mean they're pretty they're fairly close to you yeah, and, and that dictates by terrain as well because, I mean, if, it, if it's real thick, a lot of times the beagles might only be 15, 20 yards behind them because the rabbits don't have to run real far to get away. If it's open cover, then they might be 100 yards, and swamp rabbits, they'll, they'll almost always be 150, 200 yards behind a swamp rabbit. They li- they're sprinters. They like to run a long ways and then stop and wait for the dogs to get close, and then they'll sprint a long ways again. The cottontails, they they're short sprinters. They may run up 40, 50 yards and stop and wait. Run up 40, 50 yards. And you can yeah. see them cottontails. They'll sit there and perk their ears around, and they're listening for the dogs. And and that's why a lot of times people have trouble killing them rabbits if they've never done it before because they're looking for the dogs and the rabbits up ahead of them, you know, 40, 50 yards. And, and they start getting fidgety when, when they start hearing the dogs come and the rabbits... You know, it's it knows something's chasing it, so it's all listening its senses are keyed up, and it's it's yeah, it's listening for everything. So when you get to moving around, shuffling your feet, trying to get in that better spot, you done turn the rabbit, and he's he, the dogs will usually be just 20 feet out of sight, you know, and you know that rabbit heard you and just eased around you. 
that's why I always just hang back and sit there and just if I'll watch where the dogs ran by this time and then I'll adjust accordingly for the next time because most likely they're just going to come right back to the same spot. Yeah, and uh, totally, totally different from all that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That and uh, like I, I've squirrel hunted a little bit, you know, and I know that the gray squirrels they're they're pain, they're yeah. pain trying to trying to catch up to and shoot before they get in their hole, you know. Yeah, I like them red squirrels. Uh, in uh, rabbit hunting, is there like uh, easier rabbit than the other than any other rabbit or? You know? I hate swamp rabbits. Okay, yeah, it's, just like I hate a gray squirrel. Yeah, you know, squirrel hunting. Like they're exciting to run because I mean you get you can throw ten or twelve dogs down and just have a roar and race in the timber, but most of the swamp rabbits I run in Oklahoma I don't know what it is here because in, I live in Arkansas for seven years and we'd run swamp rabbits for you know sometimes an hour or more, but almost every swamp rabbit I jump here will run four to six hundred yards and hit a hole, and then I got to work the dogs all the way back to me or I got to go up there and get them, and it's it's a pain in the butt. And but cottontails, I mean, they're jump circle, and if you got a good terrain where you can set up on them easy, pretty predictably, you might circle at one time, shoot it, and move on to the next one. But terrain dictates everything as far as your races and and where you set up and stuff, but and where you find your rabbits. But most of the time, cottontails are quite a bit easier. I mean, like our friend Seth, uh, Seth Hall. He has a podcast on X on XP podcast, and he's he's hunting New Mexico rabbits, and it's almost like hunting sight hounds. I mean, it pretty much is sight hounds. Is he running sit hounds or is he running like salukis and stuff? Salukis. Yeah, oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Salukis and heck yeah. It's almost like what we envision like running coyote dogs. Like yeah, coyote dog except on that rabbit. All right, I'm back. We have dogs on the ground, but if they're going to do anything, that's a different story. Well, as long as you got Chick out, I think we'll be all right. Well, she's not out. We'll be all right, but it might be a long night. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How old did you figure out she is? Chick? Yeah. Uh, I think she's 10. That's crazy. I remember the first hog she bathed, and I would imagine, it, like in my mind, she's like five years old. My uh, my description of time is different. It's a little blurred, I imagine. It's massively <laughs> blurred. <laughs> well, I know last year, last year or two years ago, I don't know, whenever we went hunting, we got to see them dogs actually chase that pig. You know, after they had it baited up and it broke, and we got to watch them dogs chase chase them through the woods a little ways. And I ain't ever hunted with Chick. I, you know, I just knew she was an older dog, so you know, I didn't I didn't really know what to expect. And uh, sure enough, she was she was the one in front. You know, she was about to grab that pig on the butt. She's a good dog. Ed, I think I don't know if we've talked about it on here or not. The first time. Ed was talking about her catching her first haul. We was hunting by Industrial Park. A friend of ours that hunted with us has passed away now. He uh, he kind of had the hookup on the deal and knew where the pigs were at and all this. And we was just walking by the pickup down this road. And all the other dogs had blew through this area. 
And she goes out in the middle of like a wastewater treatment pond. Like nasty, nasty, nasty water. Hmm. Is it, is, Tanner saying it nicely. It's a shit pond. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was about to say that. And, what uh, like. was it actual shit? It was actual shit. I Guaranteed. If it was actual shit, you and Colby wouldn't have waded out in it, would you? No, it smelled like actual shit. <laughs> it was there a fence around like it? it? So, so a bunch of, so like, Excuse some me. older dogs blew past there. Chick was a pup, like, right at a year, or probably under a year. So, she starts baying. I turn to, t- Tanner looks at me, and I turn to Tanner, and I go, I just shake my head no. I'm like, there's no way that these older dogs pass this up. So, me and Colby, we bail off. She's... She's banging over by these cattails in the shit pond. Yeah, you couldn't really see what she was looking at. Like, Colby was saying it was a beaver. It was all this thing. Yeah, you know? we're like, oh, it's trash. But me and Colby. Well, thinking it's, yeah, being a young dog, you kind of, I mean, you, she you was don't a, know what to expect. She was a super young dog behind some experienced good dogs. Right. But for whatever reason, me and Colby go to her. Well, but no, 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 take that back. Remember, we, she was bayed. And we told Slim, we'll grab the bulldog just in case, remember? Well, that was after me and Colby were already out in there. I, I didn't think he was. So me and Colby wade off into this shit pond. Like, we're up to our belly buttons. Not knowing what it is? Not knowing what it is, but just Man, that's, uh, wanted to do something, you know? Yeah. And wanted to catch something. It smelled terrible. <laughs> so Tanner and our buddy Slim is back on the road, which is right by the pond. And uh, Tanner tells Slim... Get a bulldog ready. Slim was pretty fresh to hog hunting. Well, he just turned a bulldog loose. <laughs> and this dog dives off in the pond. Me and Colby were making our way to Chick. Before we get there, it broke and started running straight towards Tanner and Slim. And sure enough, it was a pig and come out of this shit pond. <laughs> And the bulldog caught it on the bank, out of the water. And by the time me and Colby get back there, you know, we smell like this shit pond. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, sounds like there might have been and no reason to get in it. Exactly. And their feet were totally dry, and they <laughs> caught this damn hog. But that was the first hog that, that she bathed. It's always a good feeling when, when your dog proves them wrong. I got it on video today. My uncle, he's like, I think your dog's backtracking. And I, about that time, I see the rabbit run by me, and because uh, they did run up, and it just doubled back and, and come running right back down the same trail. I'm like, don't be doubting my dogs. <laughs> no, Chick, sh- Chick showed me and Colby that, that night that she was right and we was wrong. That was the first hog she bade, wasn't it, Tanner? I think I think so, at least by herself for sure. And I'm not kidding. Some sure enough dogs had run past her. Well, well, I see her now, and I mean, she's she's a good dog now. So, I mean, she she's she's slowing down though. I mean, but see, you see, can't blame her for that. She's see at the time, like I thought of her as like a young pony, right? Uh, what was her mama's name? Shiloh, Chick's mama. Yeah. No, Chick's had a rip. That brindle female I had. She wasn't out of Shiloh. No, Shiloh Shiloh wasn't any kin to these at all. But Shiloh was the main dog at that time, and she was just this young punk, but she showed us up that night. Shiloh was good, but if she was fresh, she would bump a deer in the daylight. Oh, yeah. She she would run a deer, 
and about the time you knew she was running deer, she would know that you knew she was running deer. And then she would go run a pig afterwards. And you couldn't beat her because you knew. Yeah, I, I was, there were times I would be so mad at her that, I mean, I would just, I would just be so mad. And then she'd be working her way back to me after doing something she knew she shouldn't have been doing. And We was over at. Help their bait. Tanner, we was over at uh, Tommy Thompson's one morning. It was during the day. And Shiloh. And I think it was, uh, what was that red dog I had? Bell. Bell. They got after a deer, and they were sure enough running this deer. I mean, they was running it. Tanner was pissed. I wasn't that pissed, but Tanner was pissed. Right, right, yeah. And then sure enough, they dumped off on a hog, and you, know, you can't get onto a dog at that, at that point. You know. No. My philosophy's always been if they're going to trash, they better do a dang good job of it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. If if my dog's going to, I mean, if my dog's going to chase a deer, you know, I mean, I would like to see my dog bay that deer. Like, I want my dog. <laughs> I want that sucker's tongue hanging out when it runs by. Yeah. I dang sure had that happen a couple of times this spring. I'm running a bunch of young dogs. Right when I think they're burning a pig up, here comes a deer busting across the field tongue hanging out ready to give it up my thoughts are let's just not do it at all <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let's not do it yeah let's not do it but you, if you if that dog if that dog has the drive you know you you, you can you can teach it what you want it what you want it to do you yeah. know now if a young dog is running deer i'll let him yeah a young dog yeah yeah they let them it ain't fun yeah. but i'll let them run it I'll let, I'll let tanner and colby and cody give me shit yeah, that's right. Yeah, see the the hog dog deal was a complete culture shock for me because when I started out coonhounds and everything, I was trash breaking them from everything from the beginning, and I, there was nothing acceptable except for coons. And uh, but everybody told me it's like just let them let them bump trash when they're young. Don't mess them up because you'll kill their drive and stuff. So it's like it's everything I had in my power not to burn them when I first got started, you know and just try to let them have a little longer leash, but then then I end up, I guess, letting them run too much, and you know, a few times because sometimes it's hard to tell what they're running for sure. And all these pigs running with their sneakers on these days, they don't just stop and bay up easy. No. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this Made in America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say Made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. I mean... Because there's a lot of things you can put in a dog. You can't put drive into a dog. You can put handle into a dog. But you cannot put that 
Yeah, handling and pray drive into them. I don't even. I, I I don't even like to put handling into my hog dog. I feel like. I mean, it seems like like that dog I got uh, them pups I got from Tanner. These the wild. They're just wild little coyotes in the yard. You know, they they didn't really want to be a dog. You know, hey, you my can... son he he tried to do a good job on hugging on them and maybe wrestling with them, but they they were sure enough kind of wild when they was younger i couldn't i couldn't catch them whenever i i took them out to kind of you know do a mock hunt with them teach them to kind of not bark at the cows you know you you ever seen tanner start dogs they always got weed eater on them (laughs) yeah he offered he offered me the weed eater line and this this was this uh yeah I i had more of a handle on them then or you know but but sure enough, whenever they was younger, they was, uh, they was kind of hard to deal with. I remember having to literally chase them down to get them in, like, to go home. Yeah. Like, I set up a mock hunt. You know, I drug that pig, you know, a couple hundred yards, tied them up, went back to the truck, or walked a different way back to the truck, turned them dogs loose, and, you know, they went and bait them up, you know, and... uh in order to 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 catch them afterwards like if if i didn't have a hold of the pig and then let them get kind of close to that pig i couldn't you know that's the only way i was going to get them is if i kind of grabbed grabbed them while they was barking at it oh yeah they're about 800 from us now over there towards that dirt road which which to our left the dirt road we just drove in the bottom yeah i went to see if that gate was locked or not but they're yeah, pretty much to our left, pretty much. They're in a good spot, then. Yeah, I was hoping they was just going to stop and do their thing. Yeah, we're kind of doing a different thing here, like doing a podcast as we hunt. Hopefully they bay up and we can get some of it. Quit talking and go do something, huh? I'm proud of that pup, though. Both turnouts he's went. Right with them. Which pup is that? Uh, that brittle male out of Georgia. The litter mate to the one Corey had run over. He's sticking with them? Yeah, he's, they're 830 right now. Just kind of working that thicket. Where we're hunting at, there's an old hog farm. And I, I'm not sure how old it is. It's pretty old. Like They had all their cross wire and fences, you know, like hog wire fences mm-hmm. and uh like they're still tight tight dang i'm pretty sure it's probably from the 50s maybe the 60s it, 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 they, a, they knew how to build fence it's a cool place because <laughs> they still have all their little loafing sheds you know and like hog waters out in the middle of the field obviously they don't work but mm-hmm. they uh and they got a little corral with a big like an old grain bin beside it and uh we've baited in there a bunch and these just like a cedar thicket mm-hmm limestone and stuff and we was we had one caught one day and uh ed had a black bulldog and there was a, probably an 80 pound sow on the other side of that fence and mm-hmm. she knew she was on the other side of it and that bulldog couldn't get to her and he that bulldog like had his head through the hog wire trying to get <laughs> to her and she was just standing there looking at him like i know you can't get me Dang. and uh i'll never forget it. and it was it was all happening right in front of us but they they know where the holes are in the fences. Well, is one of the things I lost that. And yeah, that it's, my it, 
it's pretty cool because, like I said, it's probably from the 50s or 60s. It wasn't true like range hogs because they were inside a fence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they were, I would call it, they were pasturing hogs. So yeah. Like, so, like, after the after the range closed, of course, a lot of people continued to range hogs. But some people pasture dogs. Mm-hmm. So they would have a large pasture with hog fence. That's what this place is. Yeah, and that's kind of like, I don't know, I mean, how how much the hogs have changed in a way, you know. I mean, yeah, people used to free-range their pigs and, you know, like, mate, I, like, I don't completely understand it, but, yeah, you know, like, go out there and shake a feed bucket and you got all your pigs coming back to you, right? Well, they weren't, they weren't, I wouldn't say they were that tame. But they were, they were half as tame as what we got today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like like back, you know, they. I guess they used to drive them differently. Yeah, they they could drive those pigs. Like, yeah, I mean, which you ain't is driving. totally different than what. Yeah. We're hunting right now. So w- the place we're hunting right now, that's what Tanner was getting at. The place we're hunting at now is kind of that in between in between ground, where it was kind of after the range was closed, but it was still when people were putting hogs on pasture, which today is like. It blows people's mind that you could put hogs on a pasture, a yeah. pasture that's three, four hundred acres. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this place was definitely that. Like I said, like Tanner says, like the this is what we think. That this is probably three or four hundred acres. It's hog fenced, right, Pat, Tanner? No, oh, I don't know if it's quite that big. Probably, probably one hundred and fifty. Probably, yeah, probably that big. But it's hog fenced. Yeah, and they had hog waters and they had loafing sheds and those hogs roamed that 100 150 acres and like i said that's kind of that in between phase between free-ranging hogs and you know raising hogs in a barn they're over on that dirt road that we was on earlier pretty much on it so we'll get around to the other side see if we can catch them If I can remember my way out of here. <laughs> All these little meadows is hard to memorize. Oh yeah. Stoney's not having very much fun. He's over here yawning. <laughs> I'm definitely feeling that four o'clock wake up. I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I got up about eight o'clock this morning. And then drank till noon. Well I started then, I started drinking at noon. Oh. See we were supposed to go I ran I ran into Tanner about ten this morning. Says that we're gonna hunt Sunday morning. Okay, so Being I got. Brave. I go back home. I start drinking whiskey, and then about four o'clock he calls me. He says we're hunting tonight. I said what the? F- <laughs> <laughs> well, it's too late for that. What in the world's not all about you? <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> does it revolve around him or? It he doesn't revolve around <laughs> me, but we made plans for tomorrow morning. Yeah, plans change. A good thing they invented Red Bulls and NOS because kind of kill that buzz a little. See, I don't, I don't know if they do anything for me anymore. <laughs> Between work and construction, dirt work, and wanting one every morning. Yeah. I yeah. think I just like them for the taste now because I, I really, I could drink one and go to bed. Well, like I told you, I, I got there to that gas station waiting on y'all because I was already close to the area. And after I got done rabbit hunting, and I drank one monster on the way there drank another one when I got there and then I took a 25 minute nap waiting for y'all to get there 
after drinking two monsters. Yeah, I started drinking coffee at four when Tanner called me, but yeah, it didn't work. Well, it's it didn't work when you're still mixing it with the maker's bark. Well, you got to. <laughs> Too late at that point. You can't stop. <laughs> you can't drink all day unless you start early. Yeah. You know what Colby always said? Yeah. <laughs> Colby, we'd be at a bay or somewhere. And, like, I'd be thinking, waking up, thinking about brushing my teeth, and I look over, and he's got a bush light. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I mean, you you do too, Tanner. Like, I wish Colby was here. Yeah, I was. I think about him once a day. He he was a character for sure. He, uh, me and him's the one that first started hunting together when we was in high school. Oh, yeah. And uh, we had some dogs that, I mean, they was just people that give us stuff, basically. And uh, it got, luckily we got better at what we was doing, but at first it was pretty, <laughs> it's pretty rough. <laughs> it always starts that way. Yeah, I remember me and him, we hunted a place. And I still have permission to hunt it, but we just, I just got that dog Shiloh that Ed was talking about. And, uh. I got her from a friend that got me started. We was going with him a lot and catching pigs and stuff, and he was teaching me stuff. But me and him, we caught our first one. Like we was in so much shock of catching our first pig by ourselves, we kind of forgot what to even do. <laughs> yeah, the the first pig I caught, like I said, I was I had that big American Sentinel canine, and I was actually on my way to go run beagles, and was driving past a wheat field that I had permission on, and I seen some some black pigs out in that field, and. I jumped out real quick. I was pulled over around the side of Highway 16 and jumped out and got my dog out. And I, I had my AR. I was just going to go up there and shoot shoot one. And he'd never tried to catch a pig before. If I pulled the trigger, he was ready to chew on something, though, no matter what it was. And anyways, the wind wasn't right, so by the time I made it around this corner, those, those pigs had eased off. And I thought my window of opportunity was gone. About that time, I look off to my left, and there's this big spotted boar easing along the tree line and some deer had spooked and run past him so he kind of sped up a little and i knew that creek was only maybe maybe 60 yards wide and my window of opportunity was about to be gone again so i sprinted across this soil, this wheat field and right as i got to the tree line that that dog he he winded that pig and he blew under the fence and just nailed it caught it on the ear and he'd never even uh, seen a pig before and uh that boy was he was pushing 200 pounds and i shot it with my ar because I didn't have no knife or nothing then. I was just ready to just shoot him my, my gun, and then I was hooked after that. You know what app I use on my phone more than any other app besides the podcast app to listen to this here podcast? I use Onyx. Onyx Maps is the most comprehensive mapping system for hunters on the market today. I use it all the time. When I was in New Mexico, I was looking at 40,000 acres of ranch that I needed to learn. I flip open Onyx and just start studying, studying the map. When I'm riding trails, I put the tracking app on. It helps me get around in strange country. I could mark water sources, food sources, bear sign, just all kinds of options within Onyx. You need to check out Onyx Maps by going to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the link on our sponsor page, you'll go right to Onyx Maps, and when you check out, enter the code HXP20, and you will get 20% off of your order. Know where you stand with Onyx. 
See, I found most of my hog hunting spots by running my beagles. Like, all, almost all the places that I hunt in Oklahoma was by running my beagles, and that's where I'd find my pigs at. So that's where I was doing a lot of my scouting at the time, was just go run my rap, my beagles here and find new places. And spent a lot of time with Onyx Maps and Google Earth scouting new places and burning miles trying to find pigs. And Man, back then, we didn't have no Onyx or... Yeah. Google, uh, yeah. No Garmin. No, yep. no Garmin. <laughs> Just no. paper maps and no Tanner. <laughs> yeah, paper maps and your ear. Yeah, that's all we had. We used to run like so when, like, I met those guys and started, and then after I left them, I started gathering dogs that I thought could hog hunt, and I was getting Catahoula dogs, cow dogs. Mm-hmm. And of course, they were, for the most part, silent. And then, really quickly, I learned that you can run these silent dogs, but it's good to throw a hound yeah. in with them because you can hear where the hell they're at. Yeah, <laughs> you know where they're, yeah, where they're going. And that's what we used to do: is we would throw a hound in with these cur dogs, literally just for the locate, just so we could tell where they were at. Mm-hmm. Like normal, I think she's uh one of them's going back, and one of them's going a different direction. Yeah, that's how it always goes. Yeah. Where, are they, where are they at? Oh, uh, kind of by where that hog barn is. One of them is. One of them's going back the other direction. So we got... So right now we got dogs heading down towards uh, Border Collie Bottoms? Yeah, they went all the way to the road, yeah. basically. One of them's going back when they got to the road, and another one's up by the hog barn I was telling you all about. So the place we're hunting is like, at the top is cow pasture, at the bottom is what we call border collie bottoms, creek runs through it. But them hogs like, stay in the in-between in between ground. Just hills and brush, like that corner up there where we just turned from, that's probably where we could go hunt rabbits all day, like, Especially before they cleared, like when they went in there and done a bunch of work on it, mm-hmm. you couldn't even walk through it. I mean, just. But now I'm sure since they, they got grazed it, like, beyond belief. Yeah. <laughs> after he cleared it, so I'm sure now that the cows are off of it, it's just briars. A lot of times grazing helps the rabbit running because. They'll they'll knock some trails in there and them, them rabbits let well that place we went over there it's them Amish and stuff used to run cows in there and there's some of them cow trails are still there even though there probably hadn't been cows or horses on it in yeah. five ten years the old fences are still around some but them rabbits love to hit them cow trails to put some distance between them and the dogs and yeah pass the path mm-hmm. of least resistance yep you bring up the Am- Amish and that's kind of funny because like Amish are big into rabbit dogs. Really? Oh yeah. I didn't even know that. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them guys all around. I mean, y'all seen them tractors and stuff all day long, zooming up and down the road. I mean, I say Amish. They're not really Amish. They're Mennonites. Yeah. There's a slight variance in there, but Mennonites run dogs or usually rabbit dogs. Yeah. Awkward silence, then. Yeah, I mean, this is a big part of hog hunting is driving. 
let, let them dogs work. Yeah, and, and when a track track doesn't run out, or they're getting you know close to this dirt road, our dogs, for instance, a lot of times you'll you'll head around here to oh I gotta get around there and cut them off. What you do you, if they're you don't want them hanging out on any kind of road, even if it's dirt dirt road like this, you don't want them on it, obviously, but. Nine times out of ten, <clears throat> you're driving back to the other side that you just yeah, that you just kick loose from because yeah, you're backtracking yourself. Because like these older dogs, they get they get there and like yeah, we're we're not supposed to be here, you know. Yeah, I think anyways. But like with your beagles, do you ever have a problem with the roads or? I mean, well, I try to hunt where I'm not close to the road because. You know, the rabbits cross and dogs nose are to the ground. They're mm-hmm. oblivious to what's coming at yeah, them. Yeah, they don't, they don't know what's... But, like, that spot we hunted over there by Shoto, I mean, there's a lot of traffic there, and that day was the most of the rabbits have ever crossed the road, usually maybe two, three times. But uh, it happened quite often that day. And actually, I went there again probably two weeks later, and same deal, I had a bunch of rabbits cross the road, and I tried to kill every one of them. But... Uh, Usually, that's not the case. I run there during the summer and stuff. You can just park right there and, and run rabbits, you know, right next to the road mm-hmm. and not usually have that issue. But that's about the the sketchiest place that I do hunt. Most of the time, I'm walking in three, 400 yards from the road, you know. But uh, I haven't had a beagle ran over knock on wood, and I don't think ever. But I've had a bunch of coon hounds run over, and and a ho- couple hog dogs but, you know they're covering usually covering a whole lot more ground my, I try to keep my beagles reined in I mean it doesn't do me any good to circle a rabbit 400 yards away so try to keep them within 100 yards of me hunting most of the time and they'll, they're pretty good at checking in and hunting with me like if I start veering off one way they'll hunt some area and then they'll figure out that I'm not over there and they'll, they'll work their way back to me that's that's kind of how I hunted with my hog dogs and stuff too. Like they'd hunt a bigger area, but if I start veering off in a direction, I I have my tone broke or whatever. If they I'd tone them and get them to come check in and go the direction I'm going. So before it just turns into rambling, that was the first time I'd ever had rabbit. Oh yeah. No tame rabbit, no wild rabbit. That's the first time I'd ever had it. And that we talked about it on the previous podcast. And my family just, they didn't do that stuff. Yeah. You know, like, and uh, what is your favorite way to have rabbit? Man, I've had it a bunch of different ways, but my just recently my wife had made some, like, rabbit noodles, like chicken noodles. Mm-hmm. And that was really freaking good. I've smoked them. The first way I ever ate it, and I've never had it as good since my grandma cooked it when I was about 14. I'd killed some rabbits, and she just cooked it, baked it in the oven and uh, breaded it and stuff and and it was real good but frying it is real good you can't hardly go wrong frying it that's what we did was yeah fry. usually bread it with some seasoning and stuff and frying it and that's about the the easiest and and best way to do it but if you smoke them or grill them you gotta you gotta oil them good and they're that's such a dry meat you know there's not a lot of fat to them so it's easy to dry them out too much if you ain't careful but colby's the friend of ours that passed away now that we was talking about earlier mm-hmm. his grandma would do squirrel and dumplings oh yeah yes yeah. yep i'm sure that would go over well too yeah and and i've barbecued it too like you you can cook it in a crock pot and then and pull like 
doing like pulled pork kind of mm-hmm. and separate it and then barbecue that's real good didn't you say you had it on tacos yeah didn't yeah. you say that one i think you said that one was when the day we was hunting yeah basically anyway you eat chicken you can eat it you can eat rabbit yep that's what me and ed was catfishing a lot and we just we got tired of it and he's like well let me show you this when he started doing the catfish tacos yeah just frying it like normal you know not like not like a real piece of catfish it was just fried catfish yeah and oh uh, that's that's the way we eat it every time now oh so, yeah oh, man you put it in a in a taco with some sriracha and some uh coleslaw coleslaw oh man you had me at sriracha you lost me with coleslaw well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan i'm not that adventurous with eating but i'm a big fan of that like uh juxtaposition mm-hmm. of like the the fried fish to the hot sriracha mm-hmm. if anybody's still listening to us ramble at this point these dogs barking are not in the box i swear <laughs> these are <laughs> house dogs these are okay. these are boredom call border collie bottom this dogs. Look, it looks like it might be our next catch dog yeah <laughs> they could be they've bred in with something looks like they're ready to catch a tire like Tanner said, when we first started hunting down here, there were straight border collies. It was, and they was everywhere. Like, I think he, that one time we pulled in here, he had nine border collies, and it was just a lit. You know, he'd had a litter, and mm-hmm. they'd stayed around. But yeah, they've they somehow started breeding into some bulldog type dogs. Sure, people dumping the bulldogs off out here, mm-hmm. and then they stuck around too. I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere right now. Mm-hmm where people typically like to jump their strays off at seems like i hope they don't find my my cur dog and stretch her out though this is the part that another reason why i was never comfortable having long-range dogs is because you end up in in someone's front yard and having issues with their dogs or mm-hmm. something and well i mean it's kind of funny because like we've me and tanner have run run into it countless times like people think hog dogs they think mean dogs mm-hmm. and we're like look look our dogs are not mean like our dogs are not going to cause a problem it's usually those yard dogs that cause a problem oh yeah for sure well then you get dogs barking like this and then it it harks your dogs in there they hear it and hear the commotion and they want to go check it out and then Yeah, they're right here at the gate that we gotta open to. Our dogs are? <laughs> no. These. Well, you mean we? <laughs> I gotta get out. <laughs> be careful, Corey. This one's big. Yeah, the dogs won't bite you. And they're growling at me. Get back! Get back! They're gonna bite you. They probably are. I'm trying to run them off from inside the truck. Just bluff them out, Corey. Here comes Sissy. See if you can run them off. They're going home. Bow up at them, Corey. Here she is. Just grab her. Instead of having to open it, we'll leave Ed's dog till tomorrow. <laughs> he ain't causing no problems. I can't believe the dogs didn't find something. Cody, Cody's got Corey's back now. Should we uh, head over to Burford's? Uh, yeah, we got to see where your dog is first. Ed's a hog hunter. He has a hog hunting magazine, you know. Mm-hmm. 
He tries to be the face of hog hunting. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be the face of hog hunting. <laughs> Doesn't even bring a Garmin. <laughs> yeah. I was, hey. I, was hey. I was drunk and forgot it. I got I got my maker's mark, but do you know where my dog is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot it. Uh, well, he's at the point in his career now. He's got a handler, too. He knows. Yeah, Cody's <laughs> this, my handler. Just being you, one of you two, do the short straw. If Cody listens to this, he's going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> what he hears you call him. Uh, I, I don't care if Cody's pissed. Uh, Did you talk to him? Do you see if you... Do what? Talk to Cody? Yeah, see where my dog's at. <laughs> yeah, the, oh, the person who no, knows where I your dog's not. at not even, is not even in the truck with us. No. Yeah. yeah. Hey, do you... Do you happen to know where my dog is? <laughs> hey. Yeah, someone forgot his Garmin. That's kind of like when uh, Colby went with us on that tournament. Yeah, we was hunting a tournament. And Colby wasn't the Sunday churchgoer. I'm just <laughs> going to say that. And uh, we was hunting a tournament. We was all tired. And the dogs were smoked. And we, had, we, had, we wasn't going to win, so we wasn't committed, committed. And... Uh, we hunted a place. Colby got in the truck. We drove to the next place. Went to kick dogs loose. Colby goes to the dog box. He goes, hey, uh, did y'all catch my dog? <laughs> I said, no, I thought you caught your dog. He drove like 15 miles to the next spot, and his dog was still back there. <laughs> He'd left him at the spot. So, so let me, uh, let me ask, ask Cody real fast. Yeah, see if Cody knows where my dog is. <laughs> Yeah. I think one of us ought to stay here and one of us go there. <laughs> <laughs> 